You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Which is exactly true. I just love it. I love attention. I'm like a little plant that grows off of it. You just feed me attention and I, I, I grow. And it's just, just so easy. It's fucking hard not to. Like if something's just set up, like it's just fucking easy. Uh, and 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 I, if it if a joke's just sitting there, you gotta fucking you gotta do it. And someone has to. And with the backlash to me is just fucking part of it. It's amazing. It's like the 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 fucking comments that people just rip into me are just are my favorite fucking thing. I love them. They're great because they bust out all the stops. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This is the 300th episode of Vox and Hops. That is... Uh, mind-blowing that we've reached 300 episodes in less than three years it would not be possible without the help of many people mainly jessica buckingham the producer of the podcast and my wife and uh, a mad love to all of you vox and hops heads who have been supporting the podcast uh, since the very first episode so thank you for listening thank you for telling your friends about the podcast thank you for subscribing uh, thank you for all your support i greatly greatly appreciate each and every one of you this Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm just so damn stoked to announce that on December 17th in Montreal at Corona Theatre, the very first Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal event is happening. That's right, a true metal and beer fest in Montreal is here this year. The lineup features Cryptopsy, The Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Mutation, and Burning the Oppressor. All night long, you will be able to enjoy amazing beers from BG Brasserie Urbaine, Masorum Brassatorium, Sir John Brewing Company, Brasserie du Bas Canada, Cinquième Baron, and Brasseur de Montréal. Now, it's just so damn cool that this is happening. I can't wait to stand on stage to look out at all of you metalheads enjoying craft beer in my hometown of Montreal at a metal show. It's going to be awesome. The tickets for Brutal Montreal will be going on sale this week, so keep your eyes peeled for those, because this is a party you do not want to miss. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'd also like you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that enjoys metal or craft beer, make sure to tell them that the Vox and Hops Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are now 300 episodes with some of the world's best metal musicians available for them to listen to on the podcast platform of their choice. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Oliver Alaron, the vocalist of Archspire. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 300. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Oliver Alaron of Archspire. Ollie. How are you doing? It's been a long time since we've hung out. Yeah, man, it's been a while. Um, I've just been doing terrible, really. Honestly, just each, each day is a gift, you know? I just, uh, I get out of bed and just try not to put a shotgun in my mouth, but 
you know <laughs> that is that is a, a deep and dark <laughs> way to start an interview i like it let's continue in that direction and talk about how you coped with the glorious year that is now behind us but you know 2020 was a bad year yeah. for a lot of people and then 2021 seems to be continuing in that direction how, how did you cope with basically the pandemic um i yeah i feel like that's just that's the first question of uh, that of anyone interviewing anyone right now which is <laughs> obvious like that's just sets the tone of where we're going you know it's sort of like i don't know if you get this vibe but whenever there's like a crazy rainstorm or something you kind of like oh man what if it just went like way more and it fucking shut everything down and everything was i don't mm -hmm. know if it's like that stepping off the edge kind of thing but that's kind of the first initial vibe i got with this when it was like okay you can't go to work you can't tour you can't like it before it sucked, it was just kind of exciting for me. I don't know mm -hmm. if that if I'm alone on that or if people just don't want to admit it. But I was kind of like, oh shit, like everything. <laughs> this this is like a little apocalyptic. I kind of like that. Like I can't fucking do anything. Um, so I immediately went to the booze. Right. Hmm. That's what when shit got shut down. I was like, okay, well that means that I got government money and the liquor store is still open and I can't leave my fucking house. So. You know, I, I lived with my brother at the time. So we were like, OK, we're going to watch all the Deadwood. Uh, we're going to get some whippets <laughs> and some whiskey and uh, and we're just going to hunker down and fucking wait this storm out. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that was the first <laughs> that was the first thing we, that we went for. Um, and then, you know, as it started to progress and it was like, OK, this isn't sustainable at all. Um, mm, no. So. <laughs> Plus, you know, there's only so many seasons of Deadwood. Well, exactly. And we ran out. And, I, and then so we started going <laughs> with the old spaghetti westerns and shit. And then I was like, all right, I got to start like working out. And fucking just like, this doesn't work anymore. Um, so it was it was kind of exciting at first for me. And then it quickly got into like, fuck, I lost my job, um, hmm. you know, and then and then just obviously the whole bullshit political side of everything. And then just like just really wanting to just. You know, I, you run out of purpose and you run out of like, you know, out of uh, then you run out of like fucking morale. You know, if you sort of like, what am I doing? I'm not playing shows. I'm not jamming, um, you know, so but luckily we got to write. Uh, so that was cool. Um, and then we got to go record in the in the shit storm of covid, like peak covid shit. Uh, and that was in Denver. So, mm -hmm. you know, at that point, like we were doing pretty good. BC was doing fairly good, right, for numbers. Uh, and then going into the States, like in Denver at that time, it was like everything was shut down. So, I mean, it was a big contrast for us. So I managed to like at least have some excitement through through the fucking, you know, pandemic. So that was kind of cool. Uh, recording in Denver was just was a bizarre as fuck. Um, because it was a ghost town as as to normally... It's like a vibrant, very cool city. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, we're in. So Dave Otero is the one who produced our album. Um, and he has like a little Airbnb next to the studio mm -hmm. that's attached to the studio. So you probably know. Um, mm -hmm. And so but we couldn't go to any stores. All our groceries got delivered. Um, so and we were just, you know, I think we were there for six weeks. And it was just the five of us in this tiny little, uh, you know, apartment suite. And we couldn't fucking go anywhere or do anything. So we went a little bit nuts. It was a bit like prison, music prison, we call it. Um, Toby started to look really attractive. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, yeah. And then and then moving on, like from that, just waiting for the album to come out and trying to just keep, you know, my spirits up. And, um, you know, like because before, you know, we were going to we had a bunch of tours, I think a three tours uh, plan that got canceled. I had a boxing match, a charity boxing match that I was just about to do. 
uh, that also got mm-hmm. canceled. So I went kind of in a dark place for a little bit and was like, fuck it, booze is the answer. Um, and then I kind of got out of that and was like, okay, I can like better myself and, you know, uh, which I think a lot of people did. I don't know if you went through that process, but kind of like hitting the day. There's two shapes to come out of COVID in. I, I was saying it at the beginning, you could be in shape or out of shape. Yeah. So, so you chose the right direction, whereas I kept enjoying craft beer with my friends on yeah. Zoom. Well, I mean, I did that. I did. I kept going up and down. Like I'd go a week of like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Just drink your face off. That's it feels better. Mm. And then I'd be like, no, no, like work out at home, fucking eat proper. So it was a lot of, it was a little roller coaster, but which kind of brings to like, I don't know what you're drinking right now, but maybe we can segue into that. Perfect. Yes. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their life, music and craft beer. Now you're not going to be drinking something on your side. Uh, uh, we'll I talk am. about that in a bit. I'm going to be drinking are, something. What are you drinking? So here's perfect. This goes into the uh, not drinking booze thing. Yes. So whenever I quit drinking booze, it's usually because I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want a big fucking dad gut. And I got to like, you know, I got to stay in some kind of shape. So I end up like restricting my eating a lot. And I think that that mm-hmm. deprives me of like any enjoyment. And then so I go back to drinking a lot. Right. So now instead, I'm going to try to get the enjoyment, the overindulgence and enjoyment I get from booze, but from something else. So I've decided to do it with eggs. So what you're looking at right here um, is a blender, which has. Yes. So it has 12 raw eggs in it. Jesus a Christ. scoop of protein powder. Um, a bit of heavy cream, some frozen berries, and a little splash of vanilla extract for flavor. Um, and I, I'm up to two of these a day with my normal meals. Uh, and I'm trying protein. to get up, I'm trying to get up to 36. So I'll be drinking this instead of beer today. Amazing. See, that's the first time anyone's ever done that with me. So, so cheers to you for being unique. Cheers, Yet man. again, uh, <laughs> on my side, I'm going to be drinking a special brew. Uh, this is a ghost piñata. It's from Raul Buck. It is a 6.1% Goza that has been uh, aged in tequila barrels. Oh, man. So, I thought you said ghost. Cheers. I thought you said ghost piñata, and I was like, is that an empty piñata, or is that someone swinging at nothing? Matt, shout out to PA, the rep, for hooking me up with this. That's awesome. And to the rest of the Raul Buck crew. So talk, talk to me about taking a break from from drinking and uh, elaborate more on that what where, what is your mindset when you are not drinking how how what what is better about being sober versus being depressed and drinking it out i mean it's the kind of the grass is always greener right like and i think that you know it's like anything if you do something that sucks and feels shitty then you feel better later if you do something that feels great you feel shitty later it's just nature's way of balancing things out right so it's just the booze feels good at the time and then future ollie i fuck over future ollie right whereas if i (laughs) if i fuck over present ollie then future ollie feels good um that's true but i just i just go back and forth i'm like fuck future ollie i'm like let's hook him up you know and then just (laughs) it it, it's back and forth and i struggle with a lot because i'm like you know you don't want to be the guy that can't drink a fucking beer you know you go to germany and you're in a fucking beer hall and you're over Mm -hmm. the water like you that's the shit place to be um, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of people be like that because they just c- couldn't figure out how to, you know, how to maintain a good balance. Finding balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not good at balance. Like I'm good at extremes, like either drink a shitload yes. or fucking <laughs> fill up on liquid egg. Like, um, so it's something that COVID has helped me like kind of just embrace it. It's like, I'm an extreme individual when it comes to like consuming things. And I just have to learn to be okay with that and not like moderate by not trying to moderate, but like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to drink mm-hmm. my fucking face off. Sometimes I'm going to not touch the shit. And that's just, 
the roller coaster I'm going to be on, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that there's a lot of like, you get a lot of flack socially for that. Like people are like, oh, you're not drinking. What the fuck? Or they're like, man, you're drinking way too much. You got to be careful. Right. Hmm. But I, I just can't do the steady, like I'll drink a six pack every night and never want more or, you know, I just, I gotta be one or the other and I'm just kind of embracing it. So right now I'm just on the one side of the fence, but I'll hop over in a few weeks. I'm sure like probably Halloween. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you'll be you. Yeah. And, and, and it's important to be you. Cheers. Cheers. To you. Dude. Let's see what this, let's see what this ghost piñata has. You can smell the tequila on the nose. Really cool. A goze. So it's goze. A, okay. What's that mean? Yeah. So they're, it's a sour beer, but it's a little bit salty at the same time. I'm loving the new barrel aged shit they're doing now. It's so wild what's been going on. It's it's so exciting. It's my favorite new trend. And the tequila comes through really, really nice. It's really cool. Oh, they, their barrel aging program has been really amazing the past few years. Because so. I remember when it was when it was just the whiskey barrels, you know, it was like Innocent Gun and shit. Yeah. Uh, and then... Yeah. But now, like, because uh, I, I, I picked up a few kitchen shifts now because uh, I'm fucking yeah. bored as hell. Um, yeah. So I'm working at this place that has an awesome beer list called The Magnet in Vancouver. Uh, and uh, and so I'm exploring all these new beers. And the IPA craze is, is still here. But the, um, the barrel aging is coming through with wine barrels now. Mm-hmm. And the wine barrel aged yep. stuff is just like it's my favorite beer trend, I think, that I've in the last few years for sure these complex sours yeah uh, blended sours mixed fermentation sours that they throw into barrels super fun to play with totally it's closer to wine it's 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 a really interesting experience yeah and for for a beer drinker and i find it has a way wider range of flavor um i know that Mm -hmm. that's the cliche thing like all all ipas taste the same i know that's not true (laughs) but there there was a point in vancouver where it was like the fucking more bitter the better um, mm-hmm. and you know, I and like palate scrapers. I like strong beers because they're usually around the similar price and they get me more fucked up. And I'm just, I just admit yes. that, but you know, so I look at a, a nice fancy beer list and I'm like, okay, what's the strongest percentage? Okay. It's still fucking $12. Cause that's what pints cost here. Uh, and then I think they're a bit cheaper over there, but, uh, but. <laughs> Montreal, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty, it depends is that we're in the $8 okay. range, I would say for a pint. Yeah. Okay. It's so an acceptable price. Sim- similar, Other people yeah. like to pump it up a bit. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I just found myself drinking IPAs and pretending I like them because they were the high percentage beers, but I prefer mm. like a Belgian beer. You know, they figured out how to do high test beer and make it taste good and smooth mm-hmm. and not, you know, like you're chewing on a fucking dandelion or whatever, um, or a fucking pine tree. So when the when the sour <laughs> shit came out, I was like, "This is going to get really good soon." It's like it's like fucking VR or something. I was like, "They're testing the waters. Mm. The technology's not quite there, but it'll get there." And it got there so quick. And now we have these awesome barrel aged fucking beers that are like bit sour but have all the flavor. I'm just I, mm-hmm. I'm really into it. So uh, I'm I'm wanting a beer right now. Just talking about. It. But <laughs> no, no, no. But there are really good non-alcoholic options going on as well that they've really stepped up the game in that aspect as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Ralbuck have a fantastic non-alcoholic okay. uh, beer series. And it's all about the yeast. It's all about the yeast. You got to okay. have the right yeast. If not, it tastes like horrible wet cardboard but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to uh mostly i just heard the sound of them banging like you know just rugged <laughs> no i'm just kidding um sorry that was that's cheap that was that's low. that's where you got the rhythm exactly well that's where i got the low growls right so my mom was like super heavy so <laughs> um no, you know, what was cool um, was that my dad had, you know, I think it was like Columbia Records 
you know, the mail yeah. order shit. Yeah. So he would, he was on their like mail order list, or whatever. And he would just get, I think five to 10 CDs every say, I think like five every two weeks or something, or like 10 a month. Amazing. Um, and he would just have the full spectrum of music and he would just, and it was right at the time where, well, like when we were little kids, my sis, I had an older sister and she was like, this is the beastie boys. Uh, this is licensed to ill. And like, we, the, mm-hmm. I think the first song that I learned all the lyrics to was, um, Paul Revere by beastie boys. Um, really? yeah. So I had that rap down. I think I was like four or five. <laughs> um, damn, I, which was pretty I, I, cool. There should be video, videos of this shit. <laughs> Man, that would be sick. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I had an older brother that like was of the same age as my sister, much older. And, um, and just like, he listened to a lot of like, like butthole surfers. Um, so just really kind of fucked up kind of punk, you know, abstract shit. So I kind of got a good balance of like really noisy and also like very structured, like rhythmic kind of shit, like Beastie Boys. Um, so, and then when my dad got these, started getting these CDs, it corresponded perfectly with us, like starting to steal his weed. <laughs> really? Well, I yeah. love this. Okay. So, so like, <laughs> so for some reason, so he had a bunch of weed at, in the house and then he also had a foosball table and then he also had a supply of new, interesting music. And then he'd also leave for work. So it was just like this perfect <laughs> storm of like, Hey, don't get high, play foosball and check out new awesome music all fucked up. Like, you know, what, what else are we going to do? So that's me and my two other brothers would just like, yeah, skip school, steal his weed and then listen to like all these albums. And like, you know, he, we'd listen like the who, and then yeah. we'd listen to like prodigy, like the new, the first back to back, the first yeah. prodigy album. Cause when you're baked, you're like, what the fuck is this? This is insane. Absolutely. You're like 14 and you're fucking high shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then he got like uh, adrenaline by Deftones. And that was like, I remember doing, so the first, when he got that album, I decided to do mushrooms at lunch at, at school. This was junior high. We're perfect student. But. <laughs> and I was in shop class and I started seeing like demons everywhere. And so Jesus. I fucking like ran home and there's like demons everywhere. And I just put that album on and I was just like laying on the couch, just tripping my ass off. And that one, and now that album's just stuck with me. So, and people might put it on now and be like, that album sucks. But for me, it's a great yeah. album because I was high as shit when I first heard it. So, um, those, those emotional, uh, emotional connections yeah. transport you right back there. Yeah. And I got to ask you, like, do you get that feeling very often with music at the age that you're at now? Like, do you get that? Like, this is going to stick forever kind of shit. I so much less yeah. since I've got switched to digital. Oh yeah. Do you think that's what I've it is? Signed up to, I think it's what it is. I think before I would buy something and I would like force myself to like it. Yeah. Or, or at least give it more opportunities to be like, okay, so it's more listens, more attention. It's kind of like how a $30 steak is going to taste better than a $5 steak kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe. Like you're, you're but but I used to buy a lot, a lot of music, like a lot, just buying from iTunes. And then I signed up to Apple music and I listened to way more music. But if I look at what's downloaded on my phone, like that's actually on my phone, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that many albums a year versus before I'd have just yeah. hundreds. So I'm wondering, I thought if that is like a certain development part of your brain, like where you're at a stage where your brain's mm-hmm. developing, it could be. where that music just like fucking slips in and just like, you know, touches you the right way in the middle of the night. And then you're just like, <laughs> and you're like, all right, that memory is with me forever, you know, but in a positive way. The, not, the succubus, yeah, the, the succubus, succubus gotcha. you know, because... <laughs> 
Because there's I, like my brothers too. Like my brother Ira will he only listens to music that he listened to in that peak kind of you know uh, mm. influential stage. And then you try to show him new shit that's like amazing. He's like, eh, it's just not for me, right? And so I wonder <laughs> if it, if it's the music or if it's that your your brain isn't that kind of sponge that it was before, or maybe just a combination of both, right? It could be. I've definitely, when I was home, like when the creation of Vox and Hops happened, I was on a sabbatical uh, and I listened to, to stay home with my daughter to finish that sentence. Um, Mm -hmm. I listened to everything that I'd listened to in my youth and I, a lot of it was still fucking good and I really fell in love with it, but some of it just didn't work like Taproot. Taproot didn't stick again. (laughs) Taproot? Back in the day. Taproot. (laughs) I was a new metal child. Oh, okay. Well, hey, so was I. I mean... (laughs) It's embarrassing right now, but yeah. No, no, there's but, some banger albums. That first Slipknot album is still fucking yeah. good. Also, and, I definitely. You know what? And you can't debate fucking, you know. It, it's Musical taste. Yeah, you can't yeah. really. I mean, you can say what's physically bad. Like, if a guitar player is not good at guitar, you can be like, hey, technically they suck at guitar. <laughs> you know? But you can. But they wrote a hit. But yeah, and, and you can't really argue whether you should or shouldn't enjoy it. Unless it's the Beatles, and then you just absolutely should not enjoy that. It's garbage. <laughs> it took me a long time to enjoy the Beatles. I didn't. I didn't get it at first okay. either. <laughs> you still have time. I just. Do like you remember your people. first? I know you do. We're gonna get to that. Um, <laughs> I have a whole segment about that. <laughs> uh, tell me about your first show experience. Going to see as a fan. Uh, it could be like with when you were really young and your parents brought you. Do you remember your first live music experience? Yeah. So. I kind of have, like, I have two sort of uh, kind of parallel experiences because the first one, I believe it was an all ages show. Um, mm-hmm. And it was this because my dad got these random CDs. So he, he had this band called Furnace Face, which yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, I'd never heard of them after that. And we thought they were the biggest deal because when you're a kid and you see a physical yep. copy of an album, you're like, oh, that band's mm-hmm. famous. Like, that's just where your brain goes. Like, how could they have made this CD if they weren't a big deal? So in your head, you're like, this is a big band. And we knew all their songs. Um, Mm -hmm. So we got to go to the show. And the singer's name was Mr. Poopyhead. Uh, Okay. Because I guess he lost a bet. And somebody in the band needed to be called that so that he lost the bet. And that was his stage name. It's just stupid. Um, And I remember seeing them and just being able to, like, it was, it's like that experience of like hearing something on CD and then being able to see it live. And like that, that just like that excitement, um, oh, yeah. which again, like I don't really get that same excitement at my age, but at that child age, it's like <laughs> Halloween excitement. It's like figuring out that dinosaurs were a thing excitement yeah, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. the first Ninja Turtles movie where you're like, holy fuck, oh, hell yeah. they're real. Oh, hell they're yeah. Real. And yeah, I can yeah. go see them. Like, it was kind of oh, that yeah, level yeah. of excitement um, to put the two together. Like I've listened to them at mm-hmm. home and now I'm watching them. Um, so that was like a younger, my very first experience. Um, but then surprisingly enough, um, actually not surprising because they're fucking, you guys are rad. But, um, but when I was 16, uh, I believe uh, I was seeing Cryptopsy um, really? in Victoria at the ice house. Yeah. With Mike DeSavlo at the time. Hell yes. Um, and I was underage, so my brother at the, was just turned 19, and he had – so I took his ID, and I went in first, and then I went back out and gave it to him and came back out. <laughs> but I was like, oh, how can I look older? So I put on mm-hmm. a tank top, and I shaved my head, and I never I, – I still do that now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of became the look. 
Um, that was your identity that night. That's crazy. And that was my first real metal show and first bar show. Uh, and I, fuck, I was just right up front, just staring at Mike DeSavlo's fucking just massive presence and just like, this is amazing shit. Angry Pitbull. Yeah, exactly. So damn good. It was just, so it was amazing. Good. And that, uh, yeah, that stuck with me. And then, you know, so the, yeah, that was my first like bar show experience. And, uh, and yeah, I was just blown away by it. So amazing. Do you remember your first time on stage? Oh shit. This is embarrassing. Good. I like when it is. <laughs> Sometimes it's, I've been getting a lot of, I ask this all the time and I get like, oh, there was like 400 kids there. I'm like, oh, fuck that's all I wanted. Now you got to work your way up. That's how you don't become a fucking, yeah, exactly. that's how you don't become a Michael Keane. You got to work your way up. You can't play your, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love Michael. Um, but no, I remember him telling me on tour, like it was a trip for him because he, his first show was mm. like a sold out LA show. And he was yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, this is my first thing. And he's all of a sudden in front of like this huge crowd, which would just be fucking a nightmare in my opinion like that would be so hard you go from zero to ten like um but no we like the very first time i played anything live on stage was i was i played didgeridoo uh at like a hippie festival really? for like a fucking <laughs> with a hippie band because i learned how to really? do it when i was really young i think i was like yeah 11 or 12 or something um and i could play it and i could circle breathe and stuff and they just the hippies thought that was fucking amazing so they're like, and I was, mm. you know, uh, so they're like, oh, you got to get up on stage and play with us and stuff. So, um, so that was my first experience on stage. Um, but, and then after that, it was at a battle of the bands at, uh, at our high school. Cause we, there was a battle of the bands contest. We didn't have a band, but me and my brothers were like, if we come up with a band, we can win the prize and we can buy a keg of beer. Cause that's because we knew we knew what it was a cash prize. It was a cash prize, and it was exactly enough to buy one of those big big kegs of beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we wanted <laughs> we wanted to have a grad party, so we were like we were broke, we we're poor kids. So, um, so yeah, we had this adult that worked for the Vancouver Island Brewery. So and he would hook us up with a keg. So we were like, okay, we got to mm -hmm. win this battle of the bands, then we can buy a keg. So we formed this like rock, uh, hip hop fucking band where i was rapping and some songs and playing didgeridoo on other songs and then it was like rock or like metal guitar with like funk bass and then just like hip-hop break beats uh it sounds like it'd be really popular right now i know i was like if we kept going with that we would be the douchiest band but probably i wouldn't be sitting in this room i'd have a much nicer blender actually Private jet, this yeah. is a nice blender but it's not mine it looks like a nice blender it's my girlfriend's i'm not gonna lie i would have yeah um so i, I know blenders i have a blend tech i love it oh nice i love blenders have you ever watched blend tech have you ever watched the will it blend absolutely uh, oh, I, I love that it's Great. It's great. You love it. <laughs> it's soothing. <laughs> so soothing. It always blends, but uh, <laughs> it, does, it does blend. Yeah. Uh, so how about a, extreme vocals on stage? At what point did that come into? So that was, uh, so after, yeah, we won the battle of the bands. Uh, we got the keg. That was so sweet. You won it. Yeah. You won it. You got the yeah. keg and, and then we, you were the, the high school heroes. We're the high school heroes. <laughs> yeah. And we showed up with the keg and then, uh, and then, you know, that's when I started to listen to a lot more, um, just like a lot more heavier music. Um, mm -hmm. and I just like, Oh, this kind of style kind of sucks. And, um, <laughs> and, and that, at that point I was listening, it could be done. It could be done better. <laughs> yeah. Cause before that, all I heard was like cryptopsy and then just like hip hop and stuff. And then I started really? digging into like, you know, the older Slayer and like morbid angel and I like Alters of Madness became my favorite album at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to just sound like David Vincent. Like, that's all I want to do. 
Um, so, and then, so we kind of branched off into a different band called Enchanted Fairies, um, yes. which was like, a, I saw that when I was setting this up. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It was like a, it was like joke theme songs, but kind of grindcore death metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, yeah, with my brother and then a couple friends. And then we, our first show was like an all ages show in Victoria, BC. And we played like three songs and it was, it was pretty rad. And then we just started playing like the bars there. Um, and we'd dress up and fucking do cool gore shit on stage. And it was, really? it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, that's ambitious for a small, young, young band. Yeah. Well, I thought like we should do like full on cool, like, you know, do some theatrics because we weren't super good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we should be you gotta win over the crowd somehow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're an entertainer. You gotta be entertaining. So yeah, I did. There was one show we did where I got this girl to dress as a nun and I made a fake pregnant belly out of like a paper mache. And then I bought a cow tongue and, and some intestines and sculpted it into like a fetus and then filled it full Jesus of water. Christ. And then on stage, I like ripped into her stomach and like pulled out this fetus and like started eating it and like throwing it in the crowd. And she's like fisting her wounds and like, uh, you know, so that was kind of what I was ma- mostly focused on. Um, and that was very the, exciting. Yeah. That was the first like brutal vocals that I started doing was with, with enchanted fairies. Yeah. Now, now you're obviously a very proficient, extreme vocalist well before we started this i said i'm not going to ask you about how you do it so fast so i'm not going to but you did mention circle breathing and having that technique from the didgeridoo how much did that experience help you do what you do nowadays uh it it was a really good uh stepping stone for me like uh just to practice breathing um and just to Mm -hmm. control your breathing um and like like i can't i don't actually can have continuous breath if I'm doing death metal vocals. Like I can do it with, with didgeridoo because it's a fine stream of air, very fine stream of yeah, air. Absolutely. So you can replenish that really quickly. There's no way if you sang like that, you'd sound like fucking jingle cats or something or like Alvin and the chipmunks. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I don't, but I, but I've tried to make that segue. Like if it's a circle, like circle breathing, I've tried to make mm-hmm. that gap as little as possible. So before, you know, uh, before I incorporated the circle breathing, say my gap of breathing would be like that you know, where this is where I need to breathe. It's sort of tightened up a bit. So now I can just like take one quick nostril breath and then, and it's, you can barely notice it like live. If you know, you're like, how is there a breath there? And it's sort of a half breath really. Um, So it did help me a lot to be able to learn how to store air and take the quickest breath possible so that you're just like, you know, you'd have to like listen to it isolated to really notice like, okay, he is taking a breath there, you know? Um, So yeah, it helped huge. Yeah. So something that, baffles me like i write lyrics right Mm -hmm. now you have to write way more lyrics than anyone else because (laughs) there's just so many more words going in uh is that a a curse or is it something that you actually enjoy doing writing lyrics um you know i put it off to the absolute last moment (laughs) because it is like i enjoy the result of it uh and every once in a while if i'm on a roll i can really be enjoy enjoy the experience as it's happening but it's like getting into it is so fucking difficult for me because it seems like such an insurmountable task. Like it's, it's you know, so many words, it's so many words <laughs> and it has to fit perfectly and I have to have different patterns yeah. and I have to, yeah. you know, enunciate everything. And I'm like, and I have, I want to tell a story. I want people to be like, what's mm-hmm. this song about? And I can explain it in detail and they'll be like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Um, you learn that through interviews, right? Because they say, what was this about? And you're like, oh shit. Yeah. 
And a lot of the I, time, I gotta talk. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta talk about yeah. this now. <laughs> but a lot of the time, it's like, well, how much time you have? Because there's, it's about this, but also about this that relates to this. And so, yeah. um, I do really enjoy the, yeah, the the end result, and when I'm in mid process. But the getting going mm-hmm. is difficult, which is why I've just designed a whole technique to get into my writing zone. And uh, what's know. that? Um, well, so f- for this album and the last one, it, I just went in complete isolation. So I did for this album, I just locked myself away for a week uh, and I didn't have my didn't have Internet, my Internet on or my phone. Um, And I yeah. And so and I just kind of went nuts. So, uh, yeah. And I would just wake up. I would write. all. Is this at your house or at Otero's house? No, this is at my house right before going to Otero's. Okay. And that's where I wrote the bulk of the the whole album. I I changed some things and refined like refined things while we were in the studio, but but yeah, just a week of isolation and just like yeah, just very minimal. I mostly just ate eggs and black coffee. <laughs> yeah. You got the book behind you too. That oh yeah, says eggs. that's a great cook. I think it's it an amazing cookbook. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just eggs and black coffee and no phone, no internet, no distractions. I didn't go outside. I didn't. It was. I just would write all day until I, I felt like sleeping, and pro- it would probably be like fourteen or sixteen hours. And then wow. I would go to sleep and then I'd think about like, you know, as I'm yeah. going to sleep, I'm like thinking about all these things and then I'm dreaming more and then I wake up and I get new ideas from the dreams I have. And then I just Amazing. start writing right away. Um, and it's just a way to just completely focus on the task and to not be sidetracked and to be able to go th- the all these avenues that you didn't expect you would go to w- with your writing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I find that really beneficial because it's just, you know, it. it puts you right there and you're just exercising that part of your brain constantly. Um, and you also want to get the fuck out, you know, like you want to finish. So, <laughs> but yeah, like some, some of these like shotgun parts was like, I'll spend like, yeah. you know, I'd spend like seven hours on a part and then I'd be like, fuck, this is like maybe 15 seconds of a song Yeah, yeah. because yeah, you yeah. got to figure out, okay, the exact <laughs> proper syllable that I can actually say at that speed um, you know, where am I going to take my breath? Is it saying the thing I want it to say? I'm not looking, I don't have a thesaurus to flip through. So I'm trying to just pull those words out of my head. Um, and you know, so, so yeah, it's, 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 I've over the years learned how to kind of do it a bit quicker, um, mm-hmm. as I keep going, but just the, the matching the snare style, um, really like forces you to, uh, to dedicate like a long period of time to each part. You know, and be willing to do that, you know. And Spencer keeps pushing himself to go faster and faster. Yeah, which is great. Um, so, but, you know, at some point I, I give up, like for sure. And I know my limits and I play within them. Um, you know, there, there's one song on the new album that's 400 beats per minute. So I have short bursts uh, where I'm matching him, matching his snare, but it's for like, you know, one or two lines of a part, right? It's basically the equivalent to them switching, alternating the blast hand. Yeah. So I can't do a full verse or anything like that, but I Mm -hmm. figured out the exact amount I could go that speed. But that shit takes so much longer because any, there's so many letters you can't say at that speed. You know, like there's no. Really? Okay. Interesting. All the other plosive stuff, maybe. No, or like it's all stuff that has the same tongue movement, H's and T's and shit. um, And then like. S's are just out of the question. So no, there can't be any really? S's at that speed. So you're, it's like, yeah, as soon as you start to get to those speeds, you're like half of your fucking vocabulary is just out the window or over half. Really? So it's wow, you're very this limited. Is so interesting. 
yeah, you're very limited at what you can say. So um, I can't pull up. I've kind of I'm I would have to think about that. It's, it's a song called Ohm, A-U-M. Um, and that's when it comes out, you can like read along to the lyrics and I'm, you can, I'm definitely going to think about that. Yeah. yeah. And be like, Oh, okay. He's like, there's, there's very, you can, you can pick out like letters that aren't there shit. And that's why, cause it's just, that's the max speed I think I could go. So I'm well, for now, for, for now, now. Cause we, <laughs> we'll see. We're always pushing we'll ourselves. See. Maybe enough eggs will help me fucking go faster. <laughs> I am interested also, uh, I've done it both ways myself. I've written lyrics and then patterns afterwards. And then I've written patterns and wrote lyrics to fit that. What technique do you do? Well, I'm I'm not sure. Like you do that just based on the act, on the song and the part, or is it sort of do you set? No, out, I've done albums in one way, and I've done albums in another like intentionally. Way. You're like, okay, I'm gonna just yes. do that. This is the technique mm-hmm. I was going to use for this album. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, I do the same thing, and it's just I approach each song as a different piece, um, okay. and try to take like because if I write it from a different perspective, if I write it like. Um, Mm-hmm. you know with with a different technique focus in mind i find it's no matter what it's going to be a different sounding piece you know um so i think that's a good incentive to try to change up your angle each time for one so you don't get stagnant like okay i've mastered this way of writing like i'm going to do all my patterns first then i'm going to fill it in um you know that's that could become stagnant but but that being said like we do we do pre-production uh, for mm-hmm. all the songs. And then we do pre-production for patterns, uh, for vocals. Okay. So I'll, I'll make up bullshit fake lines, yeah. uh, with mostly with Dean and Spencer. Um, okay. like uh, the other guys aren't usually there for the, for, but they'll, they'll come and go, but usually me, Dean and Spencer will sit down after we have the, uh, like the bass tracks for like, you know, all the other tracks, the skeleton, the skeleton of, the song, yeah. um, of, of each song. And then, I'll come up with ideas for patterns and then they'll help me work out some cool patterns if I'm struggling on a part. But then I take all that and I bring it into my room and then I fuck with it. So, and then I write. So I guess I do start mostly with patterns, but there's times where I'll have, you know, where I'll just have parts open and I'm like, this is too complex of a pattern to bullshit first. You know, like I need, I need to have words for this to make sense for, to sell it to the band. Um, okay. so we'll leave that open, you know, and I'll be like, those, okay, those back prints, e- the, the, the t-shirt prints there. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I do like to switch it up, but we start with a, with, with a blueprint of just sort of, of rhythmic patterns. Most, mostly. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Bleed the Future. It's coming out October 29th via Seasons of Mist. 
recorded with my Vox and Hops alumni, Dave Otero. Uh, this is your second. Am I am I correct there? Second album with him, or did it, you guys work with him before? It is. As well? Yeah, it's our second album with so him. So talk talk to me about working with Dave Otero. Uh, he is fantastic. A bunch of Vox and Hops alumni have done stuff with him. You know, the worst breath. No, I'm just kidding. Tetrarch, uh, cattle decapitation. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. He's worked with just about everyone. Um, why did you go back to work with him again? Um, it was there was just no other option really, and you know, <laughs> he's the only guy that will work with us and deal with our bullshit. No, um, he just we were so impressed with uh, his work on Relentless uh, Mutation mm-hmm. that uh, and just like we. Our previous uh, producer was awesome, uh, Stu McKillop, and he was in Vancouver. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, we just kind of had a bigger budget for these albums, and we wanted, a you know, just sort of a bigger sound and something more in line. Like, Stu hadn't done a lot of this genre, and obviously after hearing, um, you know, the Cattle Cap albums, we were just like, oh, fuck, the, you know, we have to go with this guy, because that's like, you know, the best sounding shit that we, we all agreed, like, that's the best production we've heard on modern uh, tech death. Um, and then after doing the first album with him that we did, like he, I could tell he was like really like into it. And he was very hyper-focused on like how each, how to approach each member of the band and how they play. Um, and, but I, we just didn't have enough time. The first album, like we were tracking Uh some solos in the room, like next to the studio at night and stuff to save time. Because we just didn't have enough time to finish it. So we're going back to him. We were like, you know, he did an amazing job, but I think he was just getting his bearings on like how to deal with this style, like we're, our style. So we knew going back to him with a bit more time and we'd already done it once before that it would just, you know, be so much better. He'd be way more focused on like little intricacies instead of just the overall album. And he totally was like he had way more advice now for my vocal patterns uh, he knew he had different processes that, you know, that he wanted to do. And like, he just kind of like honed, you know, how to, how to deal with each member of the band. Um, and so it was just a way better experience. Like we'd, I would be doing a vocal part and he's like, okay, this could be cooler. Like maybe try something in more of this line, this pattern. And we'd have lunch. He'd be like, okay, write it at lunch and then come back and we'll track it. So I'd be like eating a bunch of eggs at lunch and like, I got to work this out. <laughs> And some of my favorite lines on the album came from just a quick lunch break where I was like, fuck, I need something new. And it just came right away. And I liked it a lot better. So he was definitely more hands on with with the producing side of it instead of the uh, just engineering. So he's just always the choice until he won't record us anymore. (laughs) I don't know. It seems like a perfect match. Uh, Bands, producers, when it works, it works. And uh, I think in this instance, it most definitely works. Sweet. Well, I'm glad you think so. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, just having someone that's not afraid to, like, push a member of the band to, like, he's like, no, like, because we all want to be the craziest as we can in our, you know, and our instrument. And he really helped us, like, take a step back and be like, you know, to each person, like, it's not about you. It's about the whole of the music. And on this album, that's what we all really appreciate about it is that there are, like, you know, we do take a, a back seat sometimes and let someone drive for mm-hmm. a bit instead of us all trying to drive at once. Um, yeah. So and and that by doing that, I think that with those parts where we are all fucking going nuts at once, they stand out way more. And it's overall just a more easy listening album, in my opinion. But I might be biased, but 
I think it's just it, it sticks. No, to I it. definitely understand what you're saying. Like I love Beneath the Massacre. I oh, love yeah. them to death. Oh yeah. But I can only listen to a few songs at a time until it becomes just my brain is like, like I can't handle this right now. I have to take a break. Yeah. And then I'll start again with where I left off. But to listen to it all together, yeah. It's it's just too intense all the time. But to have a song that breathes a bit more mm-hmm. and and showcases one member at a time is is more digestible for me at least for sure and i don't even take that as like i don't consider that a discredit to to the bands that do that because i feel like it's just more of like a you know once you're in once you're like have access that style of music enough then those bands become more like you know you're you're able to process it more and then it's more Mm -hmm. enjoyable Mm -hmm. like origin and brain drill and beneath the master like that's not first time tech death listening you know (laughs) what i mean you gotta work you gotta work your way up to that shit it's a third or fourth course meal exactly (laughs) exactly yeah you gotta so i love those bands and i love listening to them but i appreciate like if i'm showing someone that's not into that kind of music and i put on a full album of origin they might just be like this is like i can't figure out everything that's going on because it's it's all happening it's all happening so fast you know (laughs) Uh, but it's perfection yeah so we're we're trying to be more of like a gateway um you know like try to pull at least a few people that don't normally listen to the genre to be like oh okay i remember the name of that song and that's kind of stuck in my head and uh and you know without sacrificing the you know the tech side of it intensity yeah absolutely yeah yeah I think it's just maturity too. It's definitely just maturity because mm-hmm. you guys are just getting bigger and bigger, um, like physically bigger. We're getting fatter. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're headlining your own tours everywhere now. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Well, thank I, you. I'm, I'm very proud of you guys. Um, I want to talk about boxing. You were mentioning it a bit before, beer and boxing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Was that the fight you were supposed to do at Beer Wars? Yeah, yeah, it was Beer Wars. So, um, I you know came back from tour and wanted to do something to get in shape uh and there was really cool community boxing um well east side boxing and they do a lot of community programs for like they do like lunch programs for kids and they do like they're on the downtown east side which is a pretty brutal area of vancouver it's like um so they do a lot of cool programs and they had like they had this beer wars where you get sponsored by a brewery uh and you train for three months and then you fight at a you know in a in a fight and all the proceeds go to give free classes um, for like Amazing. LGBTQ members of the downtown east side. So, you Amazing. know, for self-defense. So if they get fucked with, they can, you know, feel more confident and just to build confidence, you know. And uh, so I thought that was really fucking rad, really cool thing that they're doing. Um, and uh, so and I also just wanted to see if I could do it. So why why boxing, though? Um, well, I never I don't know about you, but like I never really grew up as a sports person. Like we were listening to music and no. smoking weed yeah. and not playing sports. <laughs> So yeah. the idea of getting in, I liked Rocky. You know, I liked oh, yeah. Rocky. I mean, see, see, I never wanted to watch Rocky because I loved Rambo so much and I didn't want to think of him as Rocky. So I still haven't seen them. Really? really? He, he cries a bit more. Does he? But... Okay. Yeah. See, Rambo wouldn't cry. Like... Rambo doesn't cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, it was just something that seemed like um, a bit easier to get into than like, it just felt strange to do like, oh, I'm going to start playing football at 35 or 36. Or whatever. Yeah, I guess I was 35 yeah. at the time. Um, and it was also something that my friend <clears throat> had done before, and he owns a brewery. So okay. what, what brewery is giving him a shout out? Yeah, so he owns Brassneck Brewery in Vancouver. It's my favorite. Even if he wasn't my, my bro, it would be my favorite beer in Vancouver. It's amazing. Um, yeah, they do amazing beer. So, And he had done a fight 
uh, previously a few years back. And, and I was really, it's always something that I've wanted to do because I just to see if you could do it and to get that adrenaline rush of like going up on that stage is a lot different. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you might not walk off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also like it is amateurs. So like no one's fucking knocking people out really, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but so it was a lot of fun to train and, and to do that. And, uh, and then, yeah, I, I got into full sparring and, uh, was doing good and it was going to happen. And then COVID fucking hit and it just crashed. So yeah. So is it something that you're going to look into doing again once it is permitted? Yeah. Well, I'm back boxing now. Um, and just Amazing. just for you know fitness and for my cardio and stuff to hopefully when we tour again like it'll help me with my with my breathing and my stage presence and uh, and so but I would love to go back to 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 do that charity event again but they just haven't got to the point where they're willing to rebook it so once they do I'll be fundraising again and uh, and get my fucking face punched in. <laughs> Which which some people want to do a lot with your <laughs> online persona. Nice. There's my transition. Yeah, nice segue. Right there. <laughs> That's good. Your your online persona is quite aggressive. Uh, I know you, so I always imagine there's some truth behind the sarcasm, sarcasm behind the truth. Um, talk to me about your online persona and you voicing your opinions and uh, how you deal with the backlash sometimes. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy. You just, you know, if someone says something you don't like, you either just laugh it off or you just don't look at your phone. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's not real. It's just, you know, it's not real. It's make-believe. But that's interesting. I I don't know. I've gone through phases of like, it just, it's, I think from day to day, I have completely different opinions and I have completely different ideas of what's funny (laughs) and what's not. And it fluctuates every day. One day I'll wake up and think that the fucking crudest thing is the funniest thing. And the next day I'll be like, man, if someone else said that, I'd be like, fucking, that would be like, that sucks. That person sucks. <laughs> and I think it's okay to just to go with it. And like, if somebody judges you on one thing you thought was funny, then do you really want to fucking spend time, you know, and it's not even someone you'd spend time with anyways. So it's sort of That's a great defense to be like, okay, well now you're not going to enjoy my company. So if I run into you, you're not going to want to hang out. And that's perfect for me. So I don't have to make an excuse as to why we can't hang out. Cause you've already decided you don't <laughs> want to, you know? So it limits my, my social interactions to people that uh, I would get along with. I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think the most harsh thing that you ever did, in my opinion, is back in 2015 uh, after the Bataclan shootings. Oh yeah. And you made you made a post that said, "I can't believe in this modern day and age that something as horrible uh, as this would happen." Everyone was talking about this what had happened and you said, "I can't believe people are still listening to or are going to Eagle Eagles of death, death metal, metal shows." Show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which okay, so there's so many layers to it because for one, people got mad and sent me death threats. Which is exactly from that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is okay. exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. That they're defending. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. what the fuck is the difference? They were making a joke that people found really offensive. And so they threatened them, you know, and mm-hmm. they were, and they became a threat. And then this, those same people are doing the exact same thing, which I knew mm-hmm. would happen. And I think that's hilarious because it's, you need to fucking look in the mirror and see that you're doing the thing that was the problem. You know, making fun of the prophet is not the problem. It's the people that took such offense to it that they felt threatened. And that's what mm-hmm. people did. And if you review, if you examine like the jokes, like, yeah, they're in poor taste. But like, I was just saying, why the fuck would anyone pay to go see that shitty band? Like, 
like how and then but people the thing is you can put whatever out you want in the internet and people will put their own spin on it to get their That's own true. anger and their own emotion out so they can feel like they've done something to be on the good side of the cause even if it's totally irrelevant to what i'm actually saying you know it's like it and so i think that people love looking for those comments like we recently had a dude that worked at a publication and i don't need to name the publication but that wanted to interview me and then and they were like up and coming like they're not a big journalist or anything or you know so they wanted to interview me and then they sent our label an email being like i can no longer interview him it's like i didn't i didn't ask anyways but because they scrolled through all my old Instagram posts, and at some point I said retarded. So they didn't want to interview me. And I was like, cool, I don't want to do that fucking interview if you're scrolling <laughs> through. Like, imagine if you only interviewed yourself. That would be boring as yeah. shit. Like, you don't yeah. have to agree with me to interview me. You could even expose me that as being true. a prick. Like, look, I interviewed this fucking prick. He kept saying retard, and I hate it, and it's stupid, and he should learn how to say other words, because that's an ignorant yeah, word. Yeah, because he, he could have used that as a constructive way to, yeah, it, you know, correct, not that you need to be corrected, but correct something that he thinks is offensive. Yeah, I mean, what you're supposed to do when you're interviewing somebody is shedding a light on who they are as a person, not like, you need to have the exact same views as me, otherwise I won't interview no. you. Because that I'm pretty sure like interviews would get real dull real quick. <laughs> so, And I feel like he was looking for that thing to get upset about. Because, you know, I would never do that. If I meet someone, I don't scroll through all their shit to see if they said something that pisses me off. And if they did, I don't give a fuck. Like, so, you know, and I think it's that same mentality. is like people want something to get upset about because it makes them feel like Absolutely. they're doing something without fucking doing anything you know mm. so that's what i like to poke the bear with that you know i i can tell <laughs> and and how much how much pleasure do you get when it when it pops and and you know that you've hit a nerve somewhere is there pleasure of course, of course. how do your bandmates feel about it there's three questions at once <laughs> that's all good <laughs> um it, they're like oh cool all he needs attention which is a, okay which, but which is exactly true i just love it i love attention I'm like a little plant that grows <laughs> off of it. You just feed me attention and I, I, I grow. Um, <laughs> and it's just, just so easy. It's fucking hard not to. Like if something's just mm -hmm. set up, like it's just fucking easy. Uh, and 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 I, if, it, if a joke's just sitting there, you got to fucking, you got to do it. And someone has to. And with the backlash to me is just fucking part of it. It's amazing. It's like the, the, the fucking comments that people just rip into me are just are my favorite fucking thing. I love them. They're great because they bust out all the stops. And like it's something. Yeah, and, and they, they think that it's going to upset you. And here you are love relishing it. in it. Like genuinely fucking enjoy it. Not like, oh, I like it. Like I, I enjoy it. It's like, amazing. yeah, it's great. Well, this is interesting. Interesting. I like it. Uh, a lot of people say it's not Canadian. But. <laughs> well, I'm polite. I don't I'm give polite a fuck. about it. You I know. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about a completely different aspect of you. It's still obviously your voice work. Um, acting with Jason Mama, of course, in C, which my mother watches and she loves. And oh, nice. I didn't realize that you were doing that. And when I see her later tonight, I'm going to tell her and she's going to be very excited <laughs> that you helped. <laughs> and we're a part of that. And oh, nice. uh, doing voice work, too, because I know that you're... you're I, I don't know if we can talk about this, but I know that you're a part of something that I'm a part of oh, yeah. where we do monster voices. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
Talk to me about this aspect of your life. Is this something that you enjoy doing? Is it something that you see yourself doing for longer, hypothetically after Archspire? Not that Archspire is going anywhere, but well, I mean, we're getting old, so you can only you can only play this shit for so long. But um, which is <laughs> you understand something I've only recently started to think about. Like, oh yeah, we're not going to be able to play this shit when we're like forty five, or maybe we can. But uh, so trying to think of like what to do after that because it's obviously not. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking retire well money, um, you know. So, the insurance policies are really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a pension plan for tech death. Um, so, <laughs> so like getting that opportunity to to work on that show, just the small, tiny little bit that I did, um, was was amazing. And then you know, getting to do just even just doing some vo- some voice acting auditions um, <laughs> was was really fun and. Um, like recently we just shot that drone corpse aviator video. Um, mm-hmm. super sick. And that, I, you know, there was not really acting, but I had to like hang upside down and sing the song and keep my eyes open and, uh, you know, and act like I was getting fucked with. Um, and, and, and it definitely like made me think like, Oh, this would be an amazing, you know, path to pursue, not career wise. Cause I don't think anyone that goes into acting for a career is, has any fucking brains, but Cause I mean, that can't be your objective or you're just not going to be satisfied. Right. Like, but I think as, as an art form, it would be, it's, it's really cool. And it's something that I've always wanted to do kind of like a boxing match. It's like, you know, memorizing lines and becoming a character and actually doing that would be, you know, kind of a dream come true thing. So, but I, it's, so I would really love to explore that more. Um, but it's just a matter of like, when do you get that training? You know, if you're like, if you're going on tour and like, I could have done it all through COVID, but I was just getting pissed instead. So, um, <laughs> but did you find, okay, you got a good album out of it. Are you finding, how are you finding that, uh, the voice acting stuff? Like, are you, a- I only did one experience so far. The game will come out shortly Awesome. and it will be announced that I was a part of it, but it was super cool. It was like one day, super fun experience and i'm looking forward to doing more of them when the time comes and yeah i actually apply for the positions that are being offered nice to us. <laughs> yeah I, I there was one i didn't apply to because i was away and then i i did uh yeah i did a read for one of them and i think i got into the top three and then i didn't get it so ah. um, but it was still a lot of fun and i've just set up like I set up my own vocal booth with, uh, you know, um, with a really good mic. And so I can do like these guest vocals, um, like do guest vocals. You just did Volvedinia. Yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to talk about that as well. Yeah. And so just trying to, you know, because we're not touring, trying to at least stay active vocally. Um, and that's why doing those auditions are really cool. Even if I don't land them. Um, Mm -hmm. and the voice acting is just a weird thing to do. Like you're like, okay, act like, you're kicking something and you're pissed off because you couldn't hit it or something. And you're just, it's just you in a room. Like, how are you going to, so you really got to pull like fucking deep from your brain to come up with like what it would sound like, which is, I think just a cool exercise, whether it, you land anything or not, you know? Um, so I done, I did that with Capcom for, uh, what the fuck was that game? It was like a zombie game. Uh, now I can't remember the name offhand. Um, not. I just have the cap. When I see, when I hear Capcom, I think of what was that game? Dead Rising. With the two dudes, Contra. Contra oh, is what yeah. comes to mind for some reason. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it was Dead Rising. Okay. Yeah, Super it was cool. like the fourth Dead Rising or something, and they got me in to do some zombie voices, some zombie sounds and Amazing. stuff. Uh, and they used some of them from the for the. I think it was the fourth uh, video game, but 
uh, yeah, like the evolved zombies. And that was just a really cool experience because you're just going in there and you have to... But I didn't get like the image of what the zombies looked like or anything. So I was like replicating animal sounds and doing like, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the, okay, you, you swung and you missed, you swung and you hit, you jumped over something, you know. So just going through that list of emotions and just trying to, without any dialogue, I think it was just uh, really fun and challenging. So I don't know if you feel the same. But. It's super fun. I, well, I was in a room and they gave me a microphone that was not in my hand. Or, I wore this little thing that was just dangling in front of my face so I could oh, yeah? move around and oh, jump around. Oh, that's so much better. Fuck. It was really chill. And right. I had, oh, I can't talk about it, but <laughs> a past guest of the podcast was there with me, nice. coaching me and he was amazing. And I will talk about this because I think even when this comes out, it's still not announced. So we can't talk about it for another few weeks. Uh, definitely wanted to talk about cooking because you seem to like cooking a lot. I do. Yeah. What is this? What is this passion of cooking? And then on tour, how do you like fill that? need to cook (laughs) because it's difficult (laughs) it is difficult yeah there's like tour quality and then there's like normal quality (laughs) Um, because it looks really good what you're cooking oh well thank you man um that was just like i just that was my first job starting out like first real job um like starting out just washing dishes in restaurants and then working up to Mm -hmm. working up to line cooking and uh and so, because it's just an entry level job that you don't need any fucking skills for, so that's what me and everyone's done the yeah. dishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then just moving up, you know, so you can make more money and just getting an interest in it. Uh, and then that was just it was just something to support myself through. You know, the whole time I was playing, like if up until a few years ago, that's what I was doing with Artspire before we could live full time off the band. Um, and so now it's really cool for me because I don't need to work in kitchens. So the job aspect of it has kind of gone away and now it can just be something I do for fun and just as, you know, more of more passion driven than financially driven. So, so, you know, I like just being at home and spending a Sunday, just making some fucked up dish to serve my family. You know, that's kind of a fun, it's just a fun thing to do on a Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I just like it. Like, you know, when I am drinking, I like to just fucking have a case of beer or a bottle of wine and just make up, make up some cool dish and just get lost in the sauce. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's a great hobby. I'm very lucky that I have the podcast. It's kept me busy Uh, throughout the pandemic. uh, Right before I step on stage, I tend to get this like vibe, this feeling. Um, I have to go to the bathroom, even though I don't have to go to the bathroom. You go, I squeeze out the last, and the same thing happens before I sit down in this chair and conduct an interview. So I've been filling the void of performing with my podcast. So, so how have you been filling the void of being on stage that feeling? Because there's nothing like it in the world. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I guess I really haven't been and it's kind of made me, you know, bummed out at times and I kind of, mm-hmm. and then I kind of forget like, you know, cause you don't want to be living in a perpetual state of self pity and being like, Oh, I lost no. everything, no. And, you know, <laughs> no. but, and you don't want to play the, like my card was worse than your card. Like, you know, if somebody's complaining, like, Hey, like, you know, I can't, you know, I can't go here cause I don't want to get vaccinated or I can't, you know, and you're like, well, I, mm-hmm. I lost my entire fucking job. So like, you know, yeah. like my whole livelihood, but you don't want to pull that <laughs> card because just cause I'm in it, suffering some shit doesn't mean that you're not right. So the, you don't want to play the tit for tat game of who's got it worse. Um, but there's definitely times where I was like, you know, why am I fucking not feeling, you know, excited you know there's just like i'll go like a month without excitement or like 
without feeling that really excited feeling. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I'm not doing the thing that I really enjoy doing. Um, so, but there are things you can do like that cooking is totally fills the void. You know, if you get excited about something you're making and you get to share it with people, you know, because the that's, whole prep and then sitting down and watching someone eat it. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's a similar thing with playing a show. You're you're preparing to do something that's going to you know entertain people and uh, you know and and you get gratification through that. And uh, so that's definitely helpful. And and yeah, doing boxing classes is sort of fills that void. You get excited. Uh, you get to progress in something, you know, um, and, you know, that's for me, that's the same stage thing. Like, I don't necessarily get like the nervousness of going on stage, but I get like that, uh, you know, thinking about what I can perfect and what area I can get better at. So like, OK, this 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 show, I'm going to try to work on like getting my lows a little lower or this show. I'm going to try to work on like giving a bit more stage presence or this show I'm going to work on being actually funny in between songs or never works, but, um, but you know, so like trying to progress by pinpointing an angle that you can, that you can work on and, and perfect. So for me, like that fills that void of is like, if I can do something and I feel like, okay, I got slightly better at it, you know? Amazing. So. Amazing. That's a good mindset before stepping on stage. No one's ever told me that. I think it's actually very interesting to, to, Every show is an opportunity to make yourself better. Yeah, yeah. Try a new, try like, okay, this one line, I kind of fucked it up last time. Let me see if I can move my mouth different on that part. And then, you know, and that way, you know, okay, like uh, that show, I did that one thing slightly better, you know? And, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Christian Donaldson doesn't let me get away with anything. But, uh, <laughs> he always tells us when we fuck up. He's the, he's got the magic gear. Beautiful. We'll wrap this up. One last question. Uh, it's not happening to you right now because you're pounding back a bunch of eggs but uh it most definitely did happen to you throughout the pandemic when you weren't pounding back eggs and you were you know digging into the deadwood um what is your hangover cure um fucking more booze straight up okay yeah you gotta have you gotta have like a, a recovery day with less booze but still more booze so like because <laughs> I don't know about you, but like I've hit the age where hangovers now are like a state of death. Like you're like, I'm going to fucking die. Like I can't, it's it's getting there and it's scary as shit. So like, yeah, if I'd have a heavy night and I wake up, like I'd drink all the water, drink the fucking coconut fucking water, you know, (laughs) Tylenol, none of that shit works. Blue Gatorade. (laughs) None of that shit works. I'll slam a couple lone tree ciders and all of a sudden I feel Mm -hmm. absolutely great. Um, but you have to stop though. Yeah, you do have to stop. So you got to stop about like 12, 12 hours before you have to do anything the next day. So <laughs> that's a good one. And then that's when you pound the water and eat ice cream. Then I'll eat like a whole pint of ice cream. Really? Okay. Just because I get the sugar. So it's like, but like the alcohol sugar, but I'm not getting the buzz off it. So like drink, drink, okay. drink the ciders in the morning uh, and then <laughs> eat a bunch of grease and then slam a bunch of water and then eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's in bed like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> you're a master uh ollie thank you so so much for taking the time hanging out with me talking about your life music oh, yeah. about craft beer everyone get ready for bleed the future coming out october 29th via season of mist i'm very stoked about it awesome ollie thank you this is your perfect 300th guest awesome thank you thank you very much matt cheers and cheers good to seeing you. you man hey 
Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a blast connecting with Ollie. We had met at Armstrong Metal Festival many years ago, and I remember distinctly having a conversation with him and just hitting it off. So I was very, very stoked when I had the opportunity to have a chat with him. He was the perfect choice for my 300th guest. As you guys just heard, he is extremely entertaining. He's really funny, and uh, he has unique opinions about things that I think are interesting. I'm really excited about their brand new album, Bleed the Future, which is coming out on October 29th via Seasons of Mist. You should definitely check that album out because it is going to be a contender for the top 10 albums of 2021. I am 100% certain of that. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I have dropped throughout that week, if I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, any pertinent information for any cool projects that I have in the works, as well as the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. So please do me a favor, sign up to the mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back this Friday with another episode. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.